first thing I would try to help people address is to decrease the stigma around mental illness in general. Yes. And it's a very difficult thing to do because we have, as Africans, as a Cameroonian, we don't have a lot of, our emotional language is always targeted towards more the romantic side. We don't talk about the feelings that, that have to do with depression or anxiety. Yes. Uh, we don't process those kinds of things. So if we don't even, if we're not even there, we haven't developed the capacity to really fully appreciate the severity of the illness of schizophrenia. Welcome to the show. I am your host, Anya Fombad, and I spark the heart conversations that challenge questionable cultural and societal norms that threaten the well-being of the African community. And I also share stories about growing up as Africans in Africa and in the diaspora. I strongly believe that normalizing open discussions and sharing experiences, whether good or bad, will not only make you find your voice, but will broaden your sense of purpose and empower others to do the same. So if you have ever tried challenging certain African cultural and societal doctrines, or if you have ever felt like it is about time that we confronted these issues in our African community and do better as a people, or even if you have always been interested in learning about the experiences of other Africans growing up in Africa and the diaspora, then you are in the right place. Welcome to Living African. Welcome to the show. Today, we will continue part two of last week's episode on mental health as we discuss schizophrenia with Donald and Arnold Fossa. In the first episode, we talked about the reality of schizophrenia from the perspective of a patient family member, and healthcare professional. We used Donald's experiences to discuss the struggles of distress, misjudgment, and isolation that schizophrenia patients experience, and we shed more light on the superstitious ideation about schizophrenia in the African community. We went deeper into the trauma he experienced as a result of this diagnosis and how it impacted his future family life, and relationships. His brother, Arnold, also shed light on how this diagnosis impacted him personally, as well as the family. Today, we will continue the discussion as we examine life through the eyes of a schizophrenia patient, as well as daily challenges faced living with schizophrenia. If you or someone you know may be going through a mental health crisis, struggling emotionally, or has concerns about their mental health, please call your local hotline or visit our website at www.livingafricanpodcast.com for helpful resources. That is very, very diagnosable. Yeah. It's, not, it's not bizarre in any way. It presents mm-hmm. then you, usually. Then you, yeah. you also have panic attacks. Panic, you always... You, you get you you just panic out of every you know the way you, very a small thing just causes you to panic. Yeah. Right. Right. So what what I believe Wally is talking about is 
some of the, we would call them like comorbidities or, or other symptoms that can come with mm-hmm. schizophrenia. Because of the nature of the disease and the isolating nature of it, mm-hmm. and you are more now susceptible to other types of traumatic experiences because you're surrounded by people who may not treat you well, they may not be supportive. And, you know, what it pains me to hear, you know, my heart goes out to Wavi to, to hear, he's told me about these stories before, but to hear him talk about it again, yeah. uh, it could lead to PTSD, which is outside our, our framework by now. But mm-hmm. there is that aspect of his experience that he now experiences yeah. kind of on a daily. Yeah. He has p- uh, post-traumatic stress from that. And, uh, and we talk about it sometimes. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, thank you so much for sharing that to both of you. I mean, that's very helpful, you know, giving people a different insight on the reality of schizophrenia. And I hope that this actually educates a lot of members of our community about the realness or the reality of this disease. Now, for Wally, what challenges, you know, do you experience on a daily basis or what challenges did you even experience when you had maybe during one of your crises and stuff like that? Okay, the the one of the challenges that I have is my medications. Mm. My medications, the the medications that a, a patient takes, a, a schizophrenic person takes, has the it's it, there. There are some what which which are injectables that you take once you take once a month, and then there are some. You must take every day that antidepressants. You must take mm-hmm. every single day of your life, mm-hmm. and that has really, really been a big challenge for me because I have never been someone who, who I have never been a person who is was dependent on drugs or living on on medication. But you see, the reality of my situation entails to be on medication every day. I, if I don't take my antidepressant, if I don't take, I cannot function during the day because I just feel tired. Mm-hmm. I feel very, because of the side effects of the antipsychotic, because there are, there, there are drugs which which deal with your nervous, your brain and everything. Mm-hmm. You, usually I'm always very, very tired. I, I, I sleep a lot. I, I'm, not, I, I'm not, the zest, the zest that you have about life has, mm-hmm. has reduced because your life has just been, being carved out into into a very small zone, you're functioning in a very limited. You don't you know, you can't you can't go out to the world. You can't as if you're in in a cage. You just can't you just can't do the things you've always dreamt about doing. You know, right. actually, yeah, those are the challenges that I have, especially the medication. I have to be on medication. I have to take tablets uh, every morning and afternoon, and sometimes even in the evening, in order to sleep well and all that. So that's a challenge. Just a, that's it. You yeah. know, I just want to I just want to second Wally on what he's saying because I think this is a conversation we've had. We've been back and forth with this for a long time, and it's taken. He's shown so much courage and so much growth. Yes. In his own perseverance, in his own ability to sort out and come to terms with the insurmountable at times challenges that he has had to face, and I really, I really thank God for his life. But I, but I also see how his heart has been willing to submit to the process, 
Right. Um, it can be very, very humbling. Not that it can be. I think it is. Mm-hmm. But it also is humbling for us mm-hmm. as family members to come alongside and walk with him. With him, yes. And even in the pace of life, at our pace of life really now, that sometimes takes us away and now we're following our own project. He has shown us this fortitude mm. in his ability to push through some of the darkest days that he's had and to share that, to have us share with him. Oftentimes he's been alone. I I can tell you that, Mm. but the way that I have observed him, the way I've seen him push through these things has been an inspiration for me. Right. And that's one of the things I just wanted to kind of support him, you know, and what he said. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely agree with what you just said, Arnold. Like I also told Wally a couple of days back when we had that discussion, it was very commendable that he was dedicated and willing to actually put his everything into the process of healing, right? Because, I mean, I know of people, I actually have a very good friend whose brother is actually, he actually has schizophrenia, but the thing is, they have tried to do almost everything to help him, but it's not as effective because he actually does not even think that he's sick. So he has to come to that agreement or that acceptance that I have a problem and right. we need to solve it. But then again, you have to be in your right mind to even know that you have a problem, right? So it's kind of, um, it's a very difficult position to be in because, I mean, right. I would not blame him for thinking that he's not sick because... He is the organ in his body that's responsible for that rational thinking is not even functioning 100%. So, and that's his brain, basically. So it's like he does not want to take any medications because he doesn't think he's sick, right? Right. You know, yeah. So again, not to interrupt, but I wanted to just support your your statements with with the fact that that is actually listed as part of uh, the symptoms. Mm -hmm. Oftentimes, folks that experience schizophrenia, schizophrenic symptoms, they have what we call poor insight. And that is a critical part and a big barrier to obtaining treatment sometimes right. uh, where uh, uh, some, the people don't believe there is anything wrong with them at all. And that can last several years. Yeah. So it's just something that is, it becomes a huge barrier in, in engaging patients in uh, treatment. But, but Wally has been kind of he's kind of breached that barrier right and i mean i i definitely commend you wali for that because i mean i i also feel like the idea of like not being in that agreement it also kind of disrupts communication between the patient and the caretakers or the family or the community because that kind of also isolates the patient because i mean if you're normal you're okay and you and everybody else thinks you're sick it's like you don't even want to deal with them because you don't want them to keep telling you you're sick and Meanwhile, you're not sick, you know, and sometimes I would only imagine that it could affect the level of care that most schizophrenia patients receive or think they are receiving because they feel like everybody is probably against them. And I would imagine also that, especially in the African community, depending on how they look at schizophrenia, I mean, like you both have mentioned, the family has really been very supportive. But then again, there is the community, right? There's a community out there, the people on the outside who really don't understand, who really don't know what's going on on the inside. And there's two ways that can this can go. They can either just support, you know, just offer support out of, you know, the goodness of their heart, or they can actually just add to the stigma. So uh, this question is for you, uh, 
Wally O'Donnell, what support did you get from the community? Mm, well, mm. <laughs> yeah, that's well from the community. Actually, mm. I would say the people don't just as you said. They come the, is because of the low level of education or awareness that the community is the community is always very hostile to you. Many times I've had crises in public, and instead of people helping me out, they will instead start beating me up or thinking that I'm trying to do something fishy or trying to, they won't, they won't help me. They won't help me. Yeah. The community, you know, that they, they, they won't help me. They actually, actually, my desire to educate people about this disease comes from, from the deep, deep devastating experiences that I've had. And I, want, I don't want any other person to go through the same thing because imagine yourself in one of my crises, and not only just once, not twice, not thrice, not even four times, five times, I have stripped myself totally of all my clothing and been on the street. And instead of people trying to solve, to help me out, they will, there were a time I was on the street naked and a bike came directly and oh swapped me off my feet, off my feet, and I went down on the tab and I I, I wounded myself, oh, no. and even then, nobody came to my aid. Nobody. So it's not actually a very comfortable experience. Instead, <clears throat> because now if I see somebody as a person, when I see now those people who are out on the street, my, I don't feel negative. Or, or I don't have a prejudice. I don't have a prejudice or bias against them. Now, and I think that's ex exactly why God has led me through all that I've gone through, so that I can look. I think by the grace of God, I am not. I'm getting into the point of healing, yeah. and I can also once I'm healed, not only healed, but my mentality also has. I have also been because also as, uh, my awareness yeah. has also been increased. Has, in, has increased, so I don't see my uh, crazy people on the street as really they, that's their fault or they did something wrong. Yeah. But I see people who need help. They need help. Yes. If they were sent out, if they were sent out healthcare centers, which could be, be raised up, which could take take these people and put them under treatment. Or, and one thing too is just because the, their families have abandoned them. Yeah. They have, been, they have been abandoned. And before you abandon the the more chronic your situation gets over the years. Yes. Because number one, you're not on any medication. Number two, you don't have any follow up and all that. Yeah. So you're just your situation just gets worse and worse and worse. But I thank God for his grace upon my life because my family has really been there for me and right. uh, as I said, it's not been easy for as I said, I'm really committed Christian and I think I don't I know there are other the people who are listening to us, there may be people of other beliefs, they may be Muslims, there may be other people, but whatever the case, if we believe that there is an almighty God somewhere, an almighty power who yes. created the universe and who has control over every living thing and and who esteems who esteems human beings very highly, if we think there's this superpower, 
they let us know that he loves us very much and wants us and wants to see us healthy, wants to see us prosperous, wants to see us successful in whatever enterprise. He doesn't want to see us suffering, you know, and, you know, that's just what I can say for now. Wow. Thank you so much for that. I mean, two things that you said, which I really want to highlight is the need for support from the community and from family. I mean, I, I really, really thank you for sharing this because, I mean, having a that that's basically why we're having this discussion right now, right? Because, uh, I mean, you have a different perspective about schizophrenia patients from experience, but not everyone else will have that experience. So listening to your story would definitely be a voice for most of the, or if not all of the schizophrenia patients to open the eyes of the world, for them to see them differently and for them to not just be quick to be judgmental, especially in our African communities. We're so quick to judge. We're so quick to stigmatize people. So this is a perfect arena to sensitize the community, especially, and even the families to see schizophrenia from a different side and know that at the end of the day, these patients need help. They're not doing these things intentionally or whatever is going on with them is not because they did something, right? So Arnold, in your own case, as a healthcare professional, what kind of support, whether it's emotional, healthcare, mental, spiritual support should our loved ones basically provide to patients in and out of crisis? Right. Well, thank you. Thank you for that question. It's a very difficult question to answer because it, it starts with the premise that we know what we're dealing with, right? And so if we do not have that knowledge, if we don't know what we're dealing with, it's very easy to do things that are intention, uh, that we intend to help, but actually make things worse. Yeah. And so the first thing I would try to help people address is to decrease the stigma around mental illness in general. Yes. And it's a very difficult thing to do because we have, as Africans, as a Cameroonian, we don't have a lot of, our emotional language is always targeted towards more the romantic side. We don't talk about the feelings that that have to do with depression or anxiety. Yes. Uh, we don't process those kinds of things. So if we don't even, if we're not even there, we haven't developed the capacity to really fully appreciate the severity of the illness of schizophrenia. And so right. I would start there. I would start with, hey, look in the mirror. If you're an African, if you're a Cameroonian, if you're in a place where uh, you're stigmatizing mental illness, how does it apply to you? Do you know people? Because typically we all know someone. It's in our family or it's a friend who struggled with mental illness, but we don't say it. Yes. We we call it different things. And so when we after after we go over that hurdle, we want to appreciate the difficulty in dealing with an illness as severe as schizophrenia. Yeah. It's it's actually quite severe. So appreciating the severity will help us will sensitize us towards responding in a more sensitive and thoughtful and mindful manner Mm -hmm. uh, towards the patients and then in delivering uh, support for the family members. So the third thing I can think about is how we as a community could educate ourselves but also develop resources, right? Mm -hmm. So Wali, I'll take Wali as an example. I think what has really helped uh, well, he is his network of people that actually know about him. Yes. We have doctors, we have 
communities of faith. We have our family and extended family, our neighbors mm-hmm. that have become, they've become quite familiar mm-hmm. with, with Wally's situation. And people would, there have been times when people will, will give a call from us from the street and say, hey, while he's over here, or maybe there is something that's going on with him mm-hmm. and somebody else will call fam- a family member or let's say uh, someone is here and is concerned about while he will call certain family members and they can, they can maneuver yeah. to, to help. So having a network like that, again, it calls for resources. It calls for, uh, when I say resources, I mean like a network of communication. People need to be in touch, have people's phone numbers directly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that has been helpful. At the level of the government, <laughs> I really can't speak much for it except for that we need to be loud and clear that we need to prioritize yes. this yes. as a need. It's something that is, is becoming worldwide, mm-hmm. uh, that there's a movement to to say, yeah, mental health really matters. Mm -hmm. And so I'm hoping that that wave will catch on with the Cameroonian government. Uh, I think the last I checked, there wasn't, I don't want to quote or misquote, Mm -hmm. but I'm not clear if there is a ministry or a department that is dedicated in the the, the Cameroonian system to mental health. There's none. There's there's none. none. Or there's a budget that is dedicated to, to mental health. I think there is, it's just almost non-existent. So, and in this day and age, we are hard pressed to to do something about it. And, and I think wow. that it it just reminds us that each of us can contribute something. Sure. So, in having this conversation, maybe the word goes out, and we could partner up with somebody, and yeah, you know, and, and share our experiences. So, uh, that's kind of what I have. Right. Well, thank you so much for that. So going to you, Wally, thank you so much for sharing all these experiences. The one question I also wanted to ask you is like, what kept you through all this horrific experiences to this moment and what is still keeping you through everything? Well, thank you for that question. I think my force, my uncle, my, my, my drive and everything that has kept me going is my belief that once you are alive, there's still hope. There's still hope. Yes. Life is a gift of God to us. And once we have that, it means God still has a purpose, a plan for our lives. No matter how hard, no matter how desperate or, or, or hopeless our situation is, that I think what has kept me going is this God has given me a spirit that knows and that knows beyond every reasonable doubt that there is a bright future. The future is always bright. The future, because once you have a bleak or a hopeless or you, I don't mind, don't mind. I, I know I, I may have attempted suicide uh, many times, but if you want to look at it critically, I would have gone through, I would have not been alive, I wouldn't have been alive because every time I take overdose medication, I will immediately run to the nearest person that I, I come in contact with and say, hey, look, hey, look, this is what I've just done. I need help. I've taken 
uh, overdose medication, please. That's what I've just done because I was depressed. And immediately I was intervened because if I just kept quiet, it means the drugs in my system would have had their full course and I wouldn't have been alive. Right. But I, no matter, I'm not, yes, 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 it has been, it's been very, very frustrating. Yeah. I've been through experiences which have broken, have crushed me, have, but my faith in the future has been what, has been what, has been my, my drive. My faith in, and the future, when I say my faith in the future, I will also add up my faith in God, my creator. As I said, in my, I am heavily gifted in the domain of gospel music, in the domain of music. I have even, I think in 2019, when I, I, my crisis were very, very minimal, God gave me the opportunity to, to realize a musical album, a gospel musical album. Mm-hmm. It hasn't gone very far. It hasn't gone very far right now. Why? Because I've, I, the crisis has still relapsed. I've gone into relapse and stuff. So I've just I've suspended all my musical plans and everything. But it doesn't mean it won't come to pass. Yes. So all these dreams, when you shouldn't, as you, I would speak to all patients out there, the, if you're schizophrenic, don't lose hope. Don't think something is happening to you that is beyond beyond a, a, a remedy, beyond remedy. You, you shouldn't lose hope. Know the future. The future can be bright. Just, you just keep believing, keep, keep hoping. Get something doing. Engage yourself in the least whatever gift that God has given you. Don't let it go. Don't put it away. No matter how small, because uh, when I was, and you know, you know you're, you, I was in, in my, that, you know, my, we're all together in the same, in the same secondary school in PSS, PSS Mancon. I was so, 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 I was like a star. I was like yes. a star then. Yes. Yeah, because in from five, I was a social prefect. In upper seat, I was a social, I, they re-elected me again, social prefect. I had a lot of, I was the president of the Bible club. I was this, I was that, I was, and then even when I graduated from there, I came to Yaoundé, the, the church in which I was serving, I was the head of the choir. I was the head of the drama, the drama committee. I was solicited by men. You see, so all these things, they might not be, because of your, your, your situation, you, you might, you might think that all this, your gifts, your talent, I'm talking to, I'm talking now to the patients that are listening to me, that you, you, you can't make, that you, you're not worth it. You don't have worth. You don't have value. No, you shouldn't think that. You shouldn't think that. You shouldn't be, you shouldn't think you don't have worth. You don't think you don't have value. And if you look at it from the scripture, from the Bible that we all know, if we are Christians, if we are Christian, it says, we, 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 we are endowed with gifts in yes. order to shine, in order to, to, to reach out to the world. We are not in any hopeless situation. We are not in any hopeless situation. Yes. So what has been my drive has been that my, I've always known, and I still know despite everything, that the future holds better for us. Wow. That is very, very empowering. And that's so powerful. I mean, like you said, we, we all went to the same school over 20 years ago and you were like 
one of those bigs that every little looked up to. You know, like you were so sociable, you were so relatable and personable, and you were so smart too. We forget that one. You were extremely smart. And basically to see how life turned around for you and to see every single thing that you have been through, but still you keep that hope. And as you rightfully said, where there is life, there is hope. I mean, considering the numerous times that you tried to take away your life, but you were still here and still hopeful, that is extremely empowering, not only to the schizophrenia patients, but also to people like us. I mean, every single one of us goes through stuff in life. Life is not perfect. Life has a way of coming at us. But, you know, to hear this from you, whose life has literally, the course of your life was literally changed by something that you did not cause, something that you did not invite into your life, but you're still this hopeful. It really, really empowers us and gives us even more hope to just keep pushing despite the traversities or despite the trials that we may face. And I really, really want to thank you and commend you for that. So now... I wanted to ask both of you, Arnold and Donald, is there anything that you would love to tell the listeners about schizophrenia? Like if there was maybe one or two things that from a patient and a mental health practitioner perspective, what words of advice would you guys give, especially to the African community, to sensitize them about schizophrenia? Yeah, I know. You can go on first. Mm. Oh, okay. All right. Well, thank you uh, again for the question, Anyo. And Wali, thank you um, for the previous response. Um, so one or two things about schizophrenia. Well, for the African community specifically, it is a real disease, right? Yes. That's the first thing. It is not spiritual bewitchment. It is not being possessed by demons. It is a real disease that's diagnosable. Uh, the symptoms are very clear. That is that is the number one, the one, the number one thing. The second thing is, uh, I would just, I would just, I would just narrow it down to three things. So the second thing is that we have to speak out about it. Yes, we need to find channels to speak out about it. We need to talk to family members. We don't need to stay closeted. A lot of people suffer because they don't have the information. Mm-hmm. You know, we could have families now that are starting the, at the beginning stages of, of having uh, symptoms. And if you intervene early, you could really save the patient a lot of pain and suffering if you can intervene early. And the third thing is to seek treatment. So treatment is available. Now in Cameroon, there may not be as many resources, but when I say treatment, I mean there are medications you can take that will stabilize uh, and treat the problem. Uh, it doesn't necessarily cure it. There is a sense that you would have to take medications for the management of the symptoms, but it doesn't stop you from functioning at a level which I would call optimal and where the person can experience a higher standard of living appreciation and fulfillment with their life. Right. You know, there are people that have been very accomplished in their lives with schizophrenia, right? They're not very popular maybe in Africa, but we know of uh, there's a certain John Nash. I mean, some of, so if you've watched the movie uh, A Beautiful Mind, mm-hmm. it's actually about a renowned, I think it was an economist who, who won the Nobel 
peace prize mm-hmm. and he had schizophrenia uh, for, for 20 years he was struggling. And then there was, uh, uh, these are just folks that I know about, but I'm sure that there is far, you know, there are people in between mm-hmm. that may not be well-renowned, but they're doing really well. I would actually even talk about Wally. Yes. Uh, but before that, I want to mention Ellen Sachs, who actually is a professor of law and psychology. She's at the University of Southern California. And she she actually is 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 an expert in mental health law. So you you want to see that there are people that have received treatment have done really well. And in Wally's case, I remember when he called me that he was engaged to his wife. Right. Wow. A lot of times, people think that having a disease like schizophrenia is kind of a sentence to the abyss of, of existence and you're uh, isolated, but that's not what it is. Yeah. As we embrace people, as we open arms and embrace our fellow family members, neighbors, and friends who struggle with the disorder, they will come out. Yes. They will come out and they will, they will share, they will participate. And that's what I'm encouraging people to do. Right. I think that's a summary. Right. Well, thank you so much. What about you, um, Wally? Yeah, um, yeah. I think what I would like to talk is just that um, it's something which is not so so superstitious. It's not superstitious. It's is what I anyway. I at the at the beginning of it, I thought as much, and I even you know sometimes I will refuse my medication. But by the grace of God, I've come to acknowledge. The fact that schizophrenia is, is is real, is real, and it's 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 not it's not a theory. Yeah. So what I'll say uh, to to what what I can the 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 message that I can give is that if you're diagnosed, take your medications. Take mm-hmm. your medications. Do not do not refuse medication because. Medication is not, it, it isn't there to, to kill you or to worsen your situation, but to help you, to help you come along, to help you develop your gifts, your talent. And to say, look at me, I think myself as a testimony, I was able to realize a, a gospel musical album, in, which is not yet in the market as, as, for, as for now, why? Because of, of my health issues, I haven't been able to continue in all my projects. But the it's not it's it's what is down the pipeline. I'm just at the point where I'm still you know getting a little bit more stable because you know the disease comes in. I want yeah the one one other uh, reality I want to share is that is that the more you reject the more you reject treatment, the worse you will get. Yeah. The worst you will get. It's it's just so it's just so 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 practical practical. That and that is why I stopped my my musical career. I was doing very fine, no crisis and stuff, but I I didn't take some my medication for a while, and the crisis the resurfaced. So you see, it's very necessary. And then I also like to advise my uh, the world about. Uh, these new generational churches know where you're going to because there are these churches which are out there with very, very destructive undertones. So yeah. if you can't validate the, the, the foundation of a Christian organization, 
do not join it. Do not go there. Do not join it because you don't know where you're, you're going to. We have the Presbyterian Church. We have the Baptist Church. We have the Catholic. We may have the full gospel, the apostolic. We have conventional churches. But there are some of these new generational churches that, as I said, my problem, this, this issue, it began. It, I didn't, I, I'm not saying schizophrenia is, is a spiritual thing, but there are right. some triggers. Mm. There are triggers. You know, they can, trigger, pray, they can also prey on, on knowing people too. Yeah, that's yeah. right. So this is it. So I'm so happy about this. I, I, I've been able to get this, my, uh, this message through. And, and I believe, I believe that it's, it's an eye opener. Right. And, and, and it, it, it remains so. Wow. Thank you guys so much. I mean, this has been such a empowering I don't know how many times I've said the word empowering, but like I am just so moved and overwhelmed with so much good stuff that you guys have said. So now what's next for you, Wally and Arnold? Like what's next? How do the listeners contact you if possible? I know Arnold, you said you actually offer services like you have your own practice. So how do people contact you for, you know, your services or any resources that you may want to share? And also, Wally, like, are you working on any projects? How do the listeners contact you for anything or advice? Yeah. So, um, Wally, go ahead, please. Okay. Actually, uh, I'm just a normal guy. I'm just a normal guy. I'm not... I don't want to, I don't, at the level which I am, I'm so much concerned with my health situation, trying to, trying to stabilize myself, trying to understand, because understanding yourself is very important. Yeah. If you don't understand yourself, you will not be able to forge ahead as someone diagnosed of schizophrenia, because unless you understand yourself, you always have, Incidents, you know, coming in and on and off, on and off. Yeah. Um, Arnold, what's next for you and how do the listeners reach out to you? Right. So, again, thank you, Anya, for this wonderful opportunity. You offered us both to speak on this topic. Like I said, I, I, I do work full time right now. I could just uh, focus on what I'm doing right now. So, I work full time for the county of Santa Clara. It's located in the northern part of California called the Bay Area. And uh, so I, I have a private practice. It's called Verdant Behavioral Health, Verdant Behavioral Health. And it's basically just me. You know, I see patients, I assess and diagnose them, and I, and I offer treatment, various treatments through therapy and medications. Uh, there are other projects that are uh, kind of in the background. Um, I have thoughts of you know, again, engaging with folks like you to increase awareness and other things that I'm doing in the background. But if you want to reach me, uh, the best way is via email. And uh, my email is my last name, F-O-S-A-H. And my the acronyms of my title, P-M-H-N-P. So FOSA, P-M-H-N-P at gmail.com. Uh, and that's just my personal email. Uh, if you want to consult, uh, again, you could still reach me through there. But usually you could just look it up on the Internet website, Burden Behavioral Health, and you can see me on there. 
Yeah, and I'll have all of those that information in the description to this episode for those who are looking for any yeah. type of services. Can I add something? Can I add something? Sure. Yes, I want to say I'm not really open. Actually, if you want to get to me, Arnold is the best person you can. I, he can if you get to him, he 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 will he will like he did he 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 did before I came out to this podcast. You contacted him and he he got to me. Actually, I'm not really disposed for any. I don't know if you want to get to me. You can get to me through Anol, through his his his, his institution. Right. You can always get to me. Yeah, because but individually, I'm actually just I'm at a point in my life. I'm trying to manage my health, right. and with, right. I've been just recently. Just recently, I've I've been in like two or three crises, mm-hmm. and I'm still, you know, trying to stabilize myself. Okay. So you can get to me through Arnold and his, as he has, he has, okay, he has said. Mm-hmm. That works. That works. Right. Thank you guys so much for for this. I mean, I can't wait for the listeners to hear all of this and. We have finally come to the end of the podcast, and I hope this discussion does not only end here, and that we can all have more of these conversations within our circles, and also learn to be more understanding, accepting, and tolerating of each other. Thank you so much for tuning in, and I will catch you on the next episode. That's it for today. Thank you for listening to our show. If you want to participate in the show or find out more helpful resources, then visit www.livingafricanpodcast.com for more information or email us at hello at livingafricanpodcast.com. Also, don't forget to connect with us on all social media platforms at Living African Podcast. You can also connect with Anyo directly on Facebook or Instagram at Anyo Fombard. Thanks again for listening and let's not forget to be more understanding and nicer to one another.